Coming to you from the foot of the majestic Rocky Mountains, Denver, Colorado, it's the Savage Cast, a Savage Worlds podcast brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Savages. Here are your hosts, Chris Savage Mummy Fox and Christopher Savage Bull Landauer. Howdy, Savage Cast listeners. This is episode 38. A Few Blessings More, where we continue our discussion with Ron Blessing. So we'll pick up right where we left off in the last episode. I don't want to use cards. I don't want to use bennies. Jesus. I I love them all. Hold on. I've got to to stop you right there. I'm going to... I've got to jump in here, guys, because here's the deal. <laughs> I am open to anybody playing Savage Worlds any way they want to, but when the one time to like get me to go all crotchety and grognardy is when somebody starts talking about not using the cards for initiative. <laughs> That's the one thing where I'm like, dude, you have to use the cards. They're better. <laughs> oh, no, I agree, and I, I, I have my eye twitch when someone who's published a Savage Worlds like licensee commented on the Facebook page that they um, they, they don't use um, quick and level-headed, that they, they, they don't deal out the cards. They just, whatever the card is, if it's below the five, they just assume it's the five, or they give them, maybe it's a six, whatever. And I, my eyes just started twitching. About the, this little home home brew room, like that 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 kills the Joker economy. People, Joker's are a thing in this game, and and quick and level headed are the ways you make Joker's appear faster. You don't realize this. Like I'm one of the guys who like if if I'm a player and someone has quick and level headed, and I notice the game master's dealing the same way every time i'm like you sit over there please because we want you to be the the card yeah sink. when when my my buddy william and my buddy nate and the three of us go up to central city or blackhawk blackjack third base is a real thing and you need to know how to be a good third base and don't screw that up Right, one deck blackjack <laughs> is where you can actually make the money. It's the only time when smart people can really beat the casinos. And uh, yeah, you got one idiot down there who's just not playing right. It's like, how could you not see the implication of this this home? It's faster. It's worse. You are killing all. I mean, seriously, with the the, the reason those things exist aren't just to, to describe what they do directly. They're also like the best meta mechanic to get jokers to show up. And um, yeah, so I had my eye twitch on that one too. So I was I was I was grognardy on that one. I was like, nope, nope, you don't you don't house rule quick and level headed. Those those work the way they're supposed to work. And um, it's like Elon, like don't touch Elon. I love Elon. It's a great thing. I say get yourself a deck of cards, and when you're on your way to get your deck of cards, get off my lawn. That's that's what I say. <laughs> right. The uh, you know I I have to have a lawn just so I can tell people to get off of it. Like that's get off my lawn. The uh, I I love the new box set. I mean I think the for everybody who's like oh my god why do you really need anything in there? I'm like oh these things are so much better to play games with. Like I I know they're fiddly bits and 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 the industry's definitely going that way. I mean the the board game people have led the way and shown us that people like fiddly bits. And, you know, I think it's the, we have to thank the board game people for bringing back box sets. I mean, we, the RPG people were all over box sets 20 years, 25 years ago, 30 years ago. And, um, 
you know, I remember, you know, like when D&D was like, here's the Alcadim box set and here's the, you know, those were amazing. And then we went away from that. And now that they're back, I think Pinnacle's hitting it out of the park with their box sets. Um, the, to me, like, I, I am confident that I don't, besides getting some flat laminated maps, that's all, that's all else I'm really bringing to run games on the cruise. I'm like, I can have this one box that has all the stuff I need to run a game in it. And it can be a visual high production game. Um, and just in dialing it in, like, so I like shifting gears on, on, on the, but like similar topic, the, the new chase rules. I like the new chase yep. rules because they mix, they, they, they go from the set piece. They're, they're less than the set piece, but they're more than theater of the mind. You can still use minis. You can put your damn mini on the card and, you know, with the status tokens or the status cards, you know, it, it's, it's, you're laying it out. It's still visual. It's still supplementing theater of the mind um but it doesn't require you to have a dungeon map a jungle map a space map a whatever map at at your fingertips um and i think because it it is an abstraction it also keeps things uh, running fun like i you know as simple as as simple as the rules are the the number of times i've run chases in the new rules they've all been good and even with players at a table of players who had never played Savage Worlds, and I'm running them through SWAT, which itself is a weird abstraction, and they have all loved the chase scene. The chase scene is always, even though it's ended drastically different every time, it's always produced fun because people were able to instantaneously figure out, like, oh, that's where they are. I got to be in the same car to shoot them. That's fine, or you know, or, or to tackle them. But I can be the distance to shoot them, and da-da-da. you know, those those things. You explain it once. You read the three minutes of rules, and it just runs fun. And uh, so I, I mean, that's that's great. You you need the card deck for that, and then the initiative works too. And I don't know. It's a cool game. That's just what I want to say, people. I mean, I know you're listening to this podcast. If you already think it's cool, but it's a cool game. So I was uh, I was actually a fan of the original Chase Rules, the the ones um, in the original Savage Worlds and revised, and I think they were the same in the first Explorers edition. Um, I loved those Chase Rules. Um, I thought the ones in Deluxe were fine. Um, I used them a lot, and they were great. And I do love the new ones in Suede. Um, but what I really love about Suede is that low-key there are two levels of ways to do chases in suede um one being obviously the the standard chase mechanics um but for those quick chases where you go to question somebody and they take off running type of thing i actually like to use quick encounters for those yeah yeah and 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 the um i agree it's kind of like what what level of randomness do you want out of this? Like, do, yeah. do you want the ability for this all to go to crap and for people to crash? Or do you want um, a little more narrative control for you and your players and not the randomness? And, um, you know, I think, like, we... Uh, it, one of the things in Buccaneer that I think um, uh, that Brett wrote, and I, I don't know that we, we got it as, as refined as we really wanted, but, like, was kind of like the chaos environment. The chaos environment was very much what became... In the new rules, the quick encounters. Um, yeah, right. that, that was spirit of it was the same. Yeah, it was kind of a dramatic, a dramatic task with a chase. Yeah, combined. Right, and yep. um, so yeah, I like. I mean, I, I like it for that too. I think it's the well, and Tracy even what Tracy wrote one of the the chapters in the GM's guide about using. Actually, Chase uh, Tracy also wrote the the current version of Quick Encounters with Shane. That's right. Um, 
it, it was originally quick combat and Tracy had the idea of quick encounters and, and uh, Shane said, write it up. Like he says to some of us, apparently. <laughs> and uh, uh, unlike Ron, Tracy did write it up and uh, yeah, you know, Shane took it and ran with it. And so quick encounters is, is awesome. Now I, I love all the subsystems in Savage Worlds. Um, you know how much I love interludes cause you just listened to that podcast um, <laughs> and I really do love the, the dramatic, dramatic tasks. Those are amazing. And these were, these are all interesting subsystems because they came from like quick ideas Shane had, um, dramatic tasks started out as, uh, and interludes started as dramatic interludes. Um, that was, uh, a Ripper's adventure that Shane put out to test this idea that he had dramatic interludes. And then those became interludes, and then he did Dramatic Tasks, which is this um, great way to handle those really tense situations like the bomb going off or the, um, you know, the, the spell getting cast or, or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I just love all the subsystems. It makes me so happy that these more narrative-style systems have been built into a game that, you know, really started out as a minis game. Right, and, and the best part is it's all modular. That's I mean, to me, that's the best part of, of Savage yeah. Worlds. Um, it's what I liked yeah. originally about GURPS is, you know, GURPS did it more on a splat book level, but Savage Worlds does it great on a crunch level. It's all modular. You can bring it in or take it out. Um, the, uh, Dustin actually corrected me. He handed me the actual, um, dungeon world builder and game master's guide, which Fox and I have an essay in and Tracy's work in there is the high powered games essay. Um, so not to, which, you. which we just talked about in the second episode of, uh, of Savage Interludes because um, these first two episodes, the the um, topics were given to us by uh, what I would at the time have called our future listen- listeners. I went on the Facebook group and said, hey, we're going to do this thing, um, throw some topics at us. And um, both of our first two topics came from that um, specific Facebook uh, group post. So somebody had asked about the swinginess. Yes, yeah, swing oh, for the fences is the second one. Yep. They asked us about the swinginess of, 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 of uh, Savage Worlds Combat, and that's exactly what uh, Tracy, you know, handles in her part of that article in, in the Game Master and World Builder's Guide. Yep. The, uh, well, that's the other thing, too. Is, I mean, I, I love that Pinnacle's in a place now where not only are they bringing on more people, like, like yourself, um, they're putting out more, I mean, the meta content. I mean, this is, a, you know, the World Builder's Guide, the GM Guide. Um, you know, there were three or four people who like were like angry about it, but so many people have given us really great feedback on it and contacted us since, um, just asking for some more details and, and resources and you know guidance and stuff. Um, it was like our essay was kind of about how to build your community and, and you know do the evangelist kind of stuff, and um, the, you know, I, I think that is, I know it's crazy. I think this year more than this last year more than any other time in Savage Worlds history, at least as far as I've been you know around and. Um, you've been around longer, but there is a renaissance for this game right now. I, I don't know another, another way to put it. Like the, the fact that there are active communities who are putting out YouTube videos, fan done, more professionally done YouTube and streaming Twitch content. Um, the number of people who were doing A slice and C settings, the number of people who were doing um, the lower level, lower is the wrong term, the more um, fan created content with swag and 
um, the the sort of scope the Pinnacle's doing on you know the box sets and fiddly bits and all that fun stuff. I mean, the, now is the time. I, mean, I, I think we'll look back you know another ten years and see that this is a kind of a, kind of a major turning point in Savage World's history. Well, I think we can prove that it will be in ten years if we follow along. Jody wrote an excellent thing in here for Savage Worlds for all ages, and the way she breaks it down the ages 6 to 11 elementary school and goes through it, we're using this right now with a lot of our friends and family. Uh, they all yep. have watched Stranger Things. They all want to play role-playing games. And when I saw this, I said, yeah, we don't need to use D&D. We can use Savage Worlds. And I'm taking directly what Jody did here and applying that because... Uh, one of the things is, is right now we have this resurgence of role-playing because of the nostalgia factor for folks our age. Well, it's important to capitalize on the nostalgia factor for folks our age, but still give gaming to the next generation at the exact same time. We have to get that done. Um, a lot of conventions are trying to push more for an adults-only kind of experience, and I think that's the exact wrong thing to do right now. It's too good to get um, you know it, uh, all ages involved in this hobby, um, and you as a parent, uh, I'm sure, can speak to that directly. Oh, yeah. Um, my, my daughter, who is going to be 16 next month, uh, has been gaming with us since she was eight, in fact, um, at eight, she got her first playtest credit um, in Aloyla Santa's uh, Mermaid Adventures game. And uh, she still games today. She's actually in my Sunday group. And, uh, you know, super proud of her. She's amazing. My son actually started gaming a couple of months before his fourth birthday using a game called uh, Hero Kids. And now, uh, right now, his current favorite has been No Thank You Evil, but um, he wants to play Savage Worlds. So, and he's just turning, uh, he just turned seven August. So, it's super important. Number one, it's easier for me as a parent to get games in if my kids want to play too. Um, you know, one thing, it's it's awesome to have a, a gamer wife like I do, but to also, um, your, your kids usually don't want to do the stuff that you want to do. And we're very lucky that I, I guess we're fun enough to be around that our kids actually do want to do the stuff. Um, so I, I feel really strongly, you know, the family that plays together stays together. Um, and yeah, it, it's huge to, to get younger people involved. We even have conventions uh, here in Arizona that have done the 18 plus thing. And, um, you know, I've had great times at, at that at those types of, of uh, conventions, but I can't bring my wife if I go to those because I can't bring my kids. Um, and it's either me or my wife and my wife doesn't like big public things, especially if I'm not around. So it ends up being me by myself being away from my family. Um, I think that's a, the this is the exact wrong time to be doing the adults only thing for for gaming. I, I think you're you're dead on correct about that. Yeah, and I, I think you know I'm not the one to write this, but I did notice in doing some market research on Drive Through RPG, and anybody can do this. If you want to see the company who has the most uh, platinum or whatever the the highest uh, level um, electrum or whatever it is plaid is, is it whatever yeah they right. went to plaid the, the 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 number one most best selling products on drive through RPG the top hundred is eighty five percent hero kids I mean hero kids yeah. I've never even played it but I mean I'm looking at it and going like every single thing they put out 
has sold more copies than D&D, yep. Pathfinder, Savage Worlds, all of the um, old school Renaissance stuff that's very popular on there anyways, but you know, Warhammer, you name it, like Hero Kids, something with, and you look at them and, and, and then like, yeah, there is a market for this and clearly there's not enough people producing for it. Um, so, you know, yeah, if anybody out there is like, hmm, I, w- I really want to find a really big audience, uh, those people seem to be hitting it out of the park on DriveThruRPG, so. Well, well, and I think, um, I think kids' games in the last few years have, have really surged. Um, you know, uh, Aloy had Mermaid Adventures, which became the PIP system, um, over at Third Eye Games. Um, Monty Cook Games does, um, No Thank You Evil. Um, in fact, uh, the creator of No Thank You Evil, Shanna Germain, is one of the writers in the current um, Pinnacle Kickstarter Wendigo Tales Volume 1, um, the, the fictional, the fiction Kickstarter um, Wendigo Tales Volume 1, that's actually, she's one of the authors of that, and she's actually the designer of No Thank You Evil from Monte Cook Games. And that Kickstarter um, is ongoing right now, so go check that out and back it. I'm pretty sure both of them. There's two. Both go, they both funded. Like, Lost Colony is also out there. Uh, both of those yep. have been backed Lost, by me. So. Lost Colony. Yeah, Deadlands Lost Colony. Um, finally, bringing the uh, the last part of the original Unholy trilogy from uh, from uh, Deadlands Classic over to Savage Worlds. Um, I was going to say the Holy Trilogy, but that's Star Wars. Lord of the Rings, sir. Lord of the... I'm a born Star guy. Through... No, Star Wars four through six. Uh, also known as uh, Star Wars, <laughs> um, is the Holy Trilogy, but you know I'm the guest, so I get to say that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but seriously, um, Lost Colony is exciting. I'm I'm really psyched to see what we do. I'm excited about the um, the Morgana timeline and um, to see what um, John Goff has done with Deadlands: The Dark Ages, which we'll see next year, and and how that affects. Uh, the Deadlands kind of universe going forward. This is going to be very cool. Yeah, yeah. Shane ran a preview that at a recent convention. I think we might even get him to run it on the cruise. But yeah, Deadlands Dark Ages. Yeah, I, I played in that. That was a lot of fun. There's a one sheet for it that you can go play right now. Is it a one sheet or is it a full adventure? I don't remember. I think it's a full adventure. It, it is kind of crazy scary getting in, inside of Shane's head on this, realizing the certain storylines he had mapped out that have taken 25 years to reach not even a conclusion, but like some of the big reveals. Well, there's a reason people have actually shopped to buy that IP from him because he's got a Bible for that IP. He's, he's got it there. He knows what he wanted to do. Um, and, and having that vision and just, uh, one of the things I've been having to teach my nephews is you can be patient and persistent at the same time. And that is Shane. He is, he, he is persistent on getting done what he needs to do, but he is patient on the grand scheme of things. And it's fantastic. Yeah. No, he, he's got a great mind for this stuff and, and, um, uh, it's the game system. So I introduced my wife to, to role play. Um, I ran some second edition D and D when we were dating and another friend of ours ran us through some second edition. I think it was second edition legend of the five rings when we were first dating. And then we moved to Tucson and got married and but then, that's a bold move, sir. Introducing the RPGs before even like a fiance relationship, like just just merely yeah. dating, and you drop the whole. Do you like polyhedral dice? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I got lucky, man. I really did. I, I married like way above my grade. Um, if, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, Vern's pretty but, cool. Well, it's funny because I, I I always joke around. For years, I made fun of her her uh, her horrendous tastes and things like she likes um you know things like ugly couches and um weird looking you know stuff in general i always made fun of it and then i realized i'm part of her bad taste (laughs) so i'm super happy that she's got terrible taste yeah my Uh (laughs) my wife is completely into anime and now after a dozen years of being married to her she she i now realize when i stub my toe or do something stupid i make anime character faces and that's why she laughs it it, uh, I realize awesome. I'm just an anime to her. <laughs> but, the, but the game that really got Veronica to stick around for role-playing games was we answered a, uh, an ad at a game store in Tucson that no longer exists. It was called Things for Thinkers. And um, the ad that we... Oh, an interesting story about Things for Thinkers. Um, the person who started Things for Thinkers moved out of Tucson and then moved to Colorado and started a tactics. So, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, Chuck. So, anyway. yeah, yeah, a tactics is also but like, the reason we have Tacticon is a tactics. It was a tactics con, and yep, that was the yep. the gamers game store here in Colorado that launched a hundred. Yeah, careers. back in the yeah, day. Yeah, they changed it. And from he had done that after Gamers having the gamers game store right. here in Tucson. But See, but anyway, um, we answered. An we are ad. damn incestuous. That's the term. <laughs> Yeah, we are. The whole industry is. It's okay. Um, oh, he learned that the hard way um, when I took him to Gen Con this year. He had it, Landauer had no idea how it is two degrees of separation. Yeah, yeah, it really is. But um, we answered an ad and we got into um, a gal named Laura Tank. Um, she became our game master in a Deadlands game. And I had played Deadlands before, before I met my wife. It's not one of the games I introduced her to. Um, but but we wanted to try this Deadlands thing. I, I, I mean, she had read my Deadlands books and all that stuff, but we hadn't played it. Um, but she wanted to try it, and we answered Laura's thing, and that became, uh, um, you know, we're still friends with Laura to this day, and this was going back to 1999. I think she's Deadlands coming on the cruise with been, us, too. Uh, Laura probably is. Yeah. Yeah, if I know Laura, she is. Um, you want to get her in one of your games if you can. She's amazing. But um, but yeah, so Deadlands was was Vern's first love uh, in terms of role playing. Um, she liked role playing. Um, what got her into role playing though was watching me play in a game of Mage at a coffee shop, and she happened to be sitting down for what was to be our last session, and it was this crazy, amazing cinematic session. And at the end of it, she's like, "Oh, I want to do that." <laughs> And I was like, yeah, it's not like that every week, darling. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about but, Cheetos um, a lot. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of right, like right, uh, television totally. when they had 24 episodes. Uh, 12 were going to be yeah. winners. Uh, that's that's why they don't do 24 episodes anymore in a season. There you go. But but yeah, so um, so that, that got her into it. And um, then when I found out that, well, then the D20 stuff happened and unintentionally kind of killed the Deadlands line. Um, and the lost colony, um, was kind of like the, the, the last, one of the last things to come out. Um, one of the, one of the last things to come out, it was actually dual statted for, uh, classic Deadlands and Deadlands D20. Um, so it's interesting to see this finally, you know, hit in Savage Worlds. And, uh, I, I, I had joked with Vern saying, I wonder what the second set of stats is going to be in the game, but it turns out that's not going to be the case. It's just going to be 
Savage Worlds. <laughs> I think it would have been funny if we dual-statted it for something else, but I, I think uh, if I had actually suggested that to Shane, our friendship might have ended. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think about, well, I mean, you could just, I guess, do some old Starfinder stats. I mean, you know, have a good time with that. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting though, just the fact that this is one of those properties that didn't get a re-release during Deluxe, right? I mean, like Deadlands has definitely seen a number of iterations and will again, even as soon as next year, I think, um, itself. But the yeah, this is the one that's been um, uh, and asked for a lot. I mean, I've never played, I never played Lost Colony, um, but you know. I've seen people asking for this for years. I think this so and Evernight were kind of the two that I've heard of. And everyone's like, oh, Evernight. Yeah. And I think um, with the Kickstarter, Shane gave us the Evernight PDF. Um, so that's back in people's hands. Um, so so interesting thing about the, the Deadlands deal and why it hasn't happened up until now. I, I think it's been a matter of um, right place, right time stuff. Um, I mean, frankly... People thought it was weird that Deadlands Noir came out before they went back and did Lost Colony for for Reloaded. Um, but frankly, it was all about who's going to write this stuff, you know. And um, Pinnacle, for the most part, has only had one full-time employee um, up until, like, super recently. And that's just kind of uh, uh, the way it's been. It's, a, it's all about finding who can write it. And, you know, they they found the, the way to do it. They figured out the way forward. Um and uh, it's going to happen now. The reason that Deadlands Reloaded was so prolific and awesome and, and got to tell that full that full story with the Reckoners and, and all that stuff um, was because of Matthew Cutter. He, uh, who started out as the, uh, the editor-in-chief for Shark Bites, I, don't, uh, I think uh, Fox might be the only guy in this group that, that remembers that, maybe Dustin. Well, we saved it. Um, I mean, we, we with the, the Savagepedia... The old yeah, has, shark bites. has shark bites. We, we but I remember reason. when, but I remember when Matt was coming on and and soliciting people to write for shark bites. <laughs> but but the point is, um, you know, Matt came on and um, just ran with it, man. He he ran with Deadlands. He you know Shane said, "Here's all this stuff. Here is here is my baby." Um, let's get this done. And, and the job to begin with was to, to go through the full story of the Reckoner. You know, the cackler kind of speaks to some of that too. And, uh, um, now uh, Deadlands Dark Ages is going to be huge because I've always wanted to, to delve into that part, you know, back before the pact with, you know, with Raven and all that kind of stuff happening. I love the fact that if you're on Facebook, the, the Doomtown duo, Christine and David Lapp, Yep, Pinebox, um, Pinebox Entertainment. Love those two. Yeah, those guys are amazing. Um, hung out at Gen. They hosted a um, the, the the culmination of like two other big events around the country, and then they had, actually in Tombstone this last month had the the Doomtown finale. Yeah, and someone came yep. and cosplayed the Cackler, and um, there's some great pictures of him next to Shane. And, I'm, and and just the the whole like meeting your own you know Dr. Frankenstein meeting the monster kind of thing like here's Shane here's his character he built and, and the guy's amazing costume full makeup um, like just great and it's just like yeah that you know we want we want more of that just seeing that like you know these things come alive and these characters come alive and um, you know the, these kind of special events we, we've got more we can't tell you about it yet but we got more on our plate 
coming on these kind of special events. Um, you know, the cruise is kind of the first one of that, but we've got more uh, coming down the pipeline for that. So things uh, are happening behind the scenes for RMS, right? It's good. It's good. And Ron will be a part of that because he's now the community manager. Um, but the uh, yeah, I, I, I think here's here's a question for everybody, and we'll, we'll give um, Ron first crack at it. Um, what do you think Savage Worlds is going to look like in ten years? Wow, I think you know honestly, the first edition with only a few small tweaks um, went sixteen years before it needed to be updated. Um, so in my mind, I think it's going to look a lot like it does today in terms of you know the rule set. I don't see it changing too much. Um, I, I think this this uh, kind of hive mind development that um, has led to Suede has really, really has you know, Savage Worlds putting its best foot forward. I think, uh, I mean, no game is perfect, but, but I think Suede is really close. And so, yeah, I, I think we're going to see a lot of what we're seeing now, but more. I think we'll see more digital tools as um, people move toward that and as it becomes easier. Um, I know some people that use like um, Fantasy Grounds or Roll20 like in their home games just so they don't have to deal with minis, but they want to have those really cool detailed, you know, combats with Fog of War and all that stuff. So I think it's going to get more digital over time. Well, if I have anything um, to do with it, that will be the case. And, and you know, that's that's the thing is there's, there's this kind of push and pull in the RPG industry because um, I got a little bit of flack in the latest episode of simply savage because i mentioned that you know we're old um as far as the the average i think the the average age of savage world is probably higher than than a lot of them um, especially if you compare it to to D with um adventurers league in place and all that stuff and um the industry has in general resisted um the change i, I think um people like you know saving throw and critical role and uh, Matthew Colville, um, folks like that have instigated an interest in, um, you know, getting the, you know, the peanut butter that is digital in the chocolate that is role playing. And, um, and that resistance is starting to break down. So I think it'll be very digital in 10 years. And not like flying cars type of stuff, but maybe self-driving cars. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, the, for those of you who don't know, Dustin is actually the um, business development manager for an exciting new project called Game Board One, um, or the last Game Board, I should say. The first iteration of the last Game Board is the Game Board One, and um, we'll be seeing it here at Hexacon, likely at a prototype um, in January, next January, and on the cruise. But it's kind of this very cool, interactive uh, flat beveled, currently 16 by 16 display that you can kludge multiple ones together and, and make it as big as you want. Um, but it will run, not only run all the virtual tabletops, it's got tech in it that allows it to know what pieces you're putting on top of it, not even just on the screen, but also like in a more three-dimensional um, uh, way. So you can literally, if you wanted to, have one of these game boards on your table with six people around it and two people remotely playing a virtual tabletop or with another game board and you could all see what's happening as you move your characters around and all that kind of stuff. So um, that's, I think that Kickstarter is going to be what last two days, right? Right now. Yeah. And it's uh, well, like, um, it's like 30 hours. Yeah. So yeah, fri Friday at 10 is when it ends Eastern time. Yeah. So basically like an exciting, um, the guy behind the Xbox, um, and an exciting new, um, what is she, a female immigrant tech in Colorado 
CEO. I mean, like, you know, checks all the cool boxes of yeah. people. Well, and um, she learned English through playing games. Um, board games were were her family's jam, and that's how she learned English. She knows four languages, but that's that's how she learned English. Right. So, like, this is kind of a cool, like, gaming leads to cool big industry stuff as well. So um, that's on the table. Um, well, and... And tech is getting cheaper. Um, I was just looking at the future Best Buy ads for uh, for Black Friday, and you know, you know, a lot of people these days are building game tables um, with with a um, with a monitor, you know, a TV built into it, so that they can have it on the tabletop and, and that sort of thing. Um, I was uh, looking at that ad, and apparently they're going to have a seventy inch. 4k tv um on black friday for 549 dollars i mean like holy crap right i mean the idea of that and a couple hundred dollars of wood and you can have a gaming table with a 70 inch (laughs) um screen that you can then you know put your drink on is insane to me you could do you could build it for under a thousand dollars even with a 70 inch tv yeah you you and i need to talk offline with the amazing things that we're able to source right now and do and the tech that we're able to work with through and and it's a partnership here with aero electronics so we're not messing around on coming into the gaming space that's awesome and and i i welcome it man I, i i'm the big thing that i want to see change and i don't know quite how it's going to happen yet i would love so so one of the things i i like about fifth edition D &D, um and it's kind of a love hate thing is i um i like the concept of D D beyond um i like being able to go in an app and easily see um all of my books in a format that were meant for the app and not necessarily meant for something else like a PDF. Um, They're really easy to get around and that sort of thing. I want to see kind of an open source version of, you know, something similar to a D&D Beyond. You know, not one where they can just decide not to let you have your product anymore, um, which is one of the problems I have with D&D Beyond. But, um, like, it's a temporary license for those books that you can spend hundreds of dollars on on D&D Beyond. I wouldn't want that. And I think, ultimately, I hope the RPG industry would would reject that on the whole. Like, not everybody's going to jump over to, to, to that platform because that part of it is so weird to me. But I'd really love to see a true new digital format for the books themselves. I think that would go a long way toward getting people using more uh, digital tools for their games. Yeah, and there, there is some, just this year, some cool stuff. Like, I mean, I think DriveThruRPG just had a couple free examples of um, phone RPGs, phone PDFs for RPGs. Yep. Um, which is yep, kind of, I picked them up. Right, it's a cool little stepping stone. And I'm seeing some of the stuff that, like, um, Christian Nome is doing with his um, easily navigable PDFs um, designed for gaming. Um, you know, he's he's posted some of this to the Savage Worlds Facebook group, and it, it's hot stuff. It really – it looks great. It looks kind of – it looks kind of like um, – uh, and I, obviously this is more style, but the, uh, the Star Trek um, Next Generation interfaces where, you know, very clean. Yeah. Pu- push, mm-hmm. push this, bring up menu, push this, and it's like – that's hot. Nova Praxis, um, the game, the game Nova Praxis has that really cool kind of navigable PDF thing going on too. Right. So that's that's cool stuff. Yeah, we're working with all kinds of Unity developers uh, for Game Board One, and a lot of them are doing video games and board games. And it is going to be 
one of my things that I want to push is, hey, where you're, the amount of stuff that gets developed that gets left on the cutting room floor when it gets developed, I want to try to get those development scraps to other folks to build grassroots things. Because, for instance, um, there's an interface on a board game right now. I'm not going to get into the specifics of it, but it, it, it would be absolutely perfect for role-playing. They just don't know it would be perfect for role-playing. And I think as my job as an ambassador for gaming, not just board games, not just role-playing, not just miniatures, but as an ambassador for gaming, I need to get these people to be talking to each other, get out of their silos, and work for you know common interfaces that just make play more enjoyable and i uh, that's that's what i see in 10 years is we're going to be blurring these lines so much that it's just going to be second nature right so fox what do you see for savage worlds the system the community you know i i i kind of agree with ron i think this is a strong rule system and i don't think that it needs much more tweaking. So I could see this. I could see this being for the long term. I just think that you're just gonna just continue to see new aces putting out content and new, you know, new fans wanting to use the swag program. You know, I just I just picked up today for pay what you want the the one that I, I believe it was you guys are on. We're talking about the timers and the guy yep. who put out the timers for you know use. And kind of put it out as as a swag product, and it's timers that are kind of like using blades in the dark. And uh, and what was the other game? Well, they were both in the original Apocalypse World. Okay, but, right, um, Apocalypse. So yeah, he he learned about them, I think, in Blades in the Dark and Dungeon World. Yeah, and so and you saw, you know, I went out and bought that just because I really think it's kind of you know it was kind of a cool idea. I may never use it, but it was a pay what you want, and it. it you know, was a very interesting uh, way to look at doing some things differently in Savage World. So I think you'll see more development like that. I mean, you've already seen a few things come out from from the the Swag program um, based off the new rules. I mean, there's there's the expanded wealth that got put out really quickly after you know Swag came out, and it just it's yep. kind of a way to even do the wealth a little bit differently than is in the core rules you know for me the way my, it is in the uh, core rules i'm fine with but you know somebody might want to expand that a little bit so you've, you've got things like that that's gonna keep coming out as little expansions to subsystems the the swag thing i was really impressed with early on was the artificers codex which is the permanent item you know magic item creation rules um, that christian and his significant other jen put together it's got like a, a one dollar price tag it's amazing and it's only two pages but in those two pages like everything else in savage worlds is just so much game ability uh, so i definitely recommend that we were talking about it at at um dragon con and that the one there were some people out there like i think richard wolcock or someone had a comment like why hasn't this been done before and um, you know and, and richard puts out a ton of stuff um so it's fun seeing um you know, yeah th- th- there's a gap for a certain style of play and that product fits it really well and um the end got really good feedback so um, I think we're, I think we're gonna we're gonna push Christian off the edge of, of being a, a setting creator as well. Just like do it, do it. Yeah, he told me about a setting that he and Jess are working on right now, um, and I'm not gonna spill anything, but I will tell you, um, 
I will work my butt off if he does a Kickstarter to be the first uh, the first person backing because the guy's got an amazing brain. So uh, yeah, very cool, good stuff, as I used to say. Well, exactly, and, and I think that to me that's the exciting thing is I like seeing like you know we all know at the table Sequoia right, and Sequoia's had this setting he's run for a, more than a decade, and you know it, it's gone over multiple systems, and, and recently it's been in Savage Worlds. He calls it the Edge, and. Um, you know, like we keep pushing, like Sequoia. You got You got to publish this, dude. Like this is a thing. This is, you know, it's not a, not even a one-off. I mean, there's there's so much to this system he's run, and um, you know, played it at like Thanks Gaming and, and all these other kind of, you know, first time and uh, the local conventions, and now he's in Utah. It's like, man, you gotta you gotta publish it. Uh, my guess for Savage Worlds, um, one, I think Shane is going to license Deadlands and it will get produced in the next 10 years. I think that will happen. You know, they flirted with it with Xbox and, um, you know, the, the whole like streaming kind of you know, convoluted stuff um, uh, that didn't happen there on that platform. But I, th- I think that will happen. I think we will see Deadlands on the big screen, the small screen, the quality screen. Um, I th- Whether it be animated, live action, whatever. Yeah. Well, th- there's enough folks uh, who are all entwined in Hollywood who hang out and do the critical world stuff. It's it's just going to happen. Someone's going to take it and work it. Well, and I just look, looking at the trends in Hollywood on on you know they are ravenously hungry for fantasy products, for comic products, and you know Deadlands obviously fits you know certain niches on both of those ends. And I think um, you know because it is a big world, you could do something like a streaming service 24 episode thing you could do um you know a series of movies so i think that'll happen i've got no special knowledge on that i'm just saying like i think within the next decade that'll be a thing i also think shane's probably got another big property somewhere in his head that'll pop out um for the rest of us i mean man i I agree with the digital um i even think with advances in kind of artificial intelligence um there will be interactive game mastering where there will be a game master that is code um that will run you through adventures and the the dice learning algorithms that we're currently working on for a dice bowl are something that I think will help every GM ever who needed to figure out, am I going to make a TPK happen or not? And we can tell them, don't do this. It will TPK them. <laughs> right. The, um, well, that's the thing is, I, I think when you have, you know, it was with, with just the heuristic algorithms are getting so good and, and, and the learning algorithms that I think you, you eventually, you know, it, computers will write poetry. And part of that is being able to riff off of, um, you know, uh, uh, groups, um, you know, th- groups are challenging because, you, you know, unless you really railroad stuff like a, um, you know, a linear railroaded uh, video game, it's very hard to control a narrative with a group of players, right? And I th- but I think AI will get there in the next decade and we will, we will see, you know, computers running games. Um, I think for the Savage Worlds community, um, my guess is that at least one of the aces is going to pop an IP that'll be fantastic and go big. Um, the, um, right, yeah, Fox is over here pointing to himself. And um, I, I think it's that, you know, with all that kind of the creative community thing, like, you know, something will catch, something will be big. Um, the I also agree that I think Savage Worlds is good for the next 10, 15 years, the way it is. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't see a need. Um, it's got enough modularity that, that it, you know, different trends on playing, we can, we can, you know, modulate, modulate, add, you know, modularly add stuff on, um, if there are different trends in, in playing. 
Um, but I, 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 th- I see all good things. I, mean, I, th- I think there's a great democratization of role-playing now, and even though D&D is both the industry leader and also rapidly growing, um, I think it's a good thing for everybody. I think that the fact that we've gone mainstream um, only means good thing for the potential. Um, the, uh, so I don't know, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see, like, you know, if we look back at, you know, on the eve of, of uh, 2030, um, what, you know, yeah. what, what the last 10 years are, I think we'll be happy and excited for what we'll, happened. We'll be back here talking about it. Right. Well, just think, maybe not on microphones. Maybe it'll all be, you know, with some holograms. Digital avatars. I think you mentioned the concept, Landauer, of the kind of the digital game master, right? The the AI game master. Deep down, I don't want that to ever happen just because game mastering is my favorite thing to do. But I, I get it and I think it's a cool concept. I recently played the Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle Earth, uh, Middle Earth board game. And that is an app-driven board game that feels very much like um, like you're playing old-school um, D&D module. Um, and it's really interesting the way that's presented. I, I recommend you check that out if that's an interest. And also um, Ma- Ma- uh, Mansions of Madness, um, the, you know, the Call of Cthulhu-type uh, game, uh, it's second edition from Fantasy Flight, is also app-driven that way and has that whole, like, I don't know, it feels like you're going on an adventure and the app is, is kind of taking that GM job. So you should check it out. No, definitely I will. And I, you know, and, and I, I don't mean to imply that that's where everything's going. I, I still think in 10 years there will be people who will get down at a table with no cell phones, um, whatever we're calling them by then, and it'll be pen and paper and imagination and dice and cards, and it will be just as good as it ever was, um, you know, without the trinkets. So I just think there's just there's just room for both now. Oh yeah, I agree completely. And and honestly, um, good game masters are in demand. So you know, with that, there's a lot of people. I mean, how many times you have you read a forum post or a Facebook post where? The OP says something along the lines of, man, I love these games. I just wish there were other people around me to play it, or I wish I had a game master. Um, you know, what you're talking about would be super useful in those situations. Well, and maybe even in the next 10 years, game master as a profession will become more of a thing. I mean, we, we, we have wedding planners, we have psychiatrists, and... Game masters are kind of like a weird kludge of both of those. You know, you're planning events and you're trying to make a narrative go, and but you know it's someone else's show too. Um, so I, I, maybe there will. I think be, streaming is the beginning of that. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and, 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 and as as cool as the 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 Matt Mercer effect as far as like the industry goes, what if you know the face to face experience becomes more valued to the point where people are willing to you know fork over money for it like it is now because of the online too. It, like, and it may be coming sooner than later. Right now, the big hot thing is escape rooms. And people are doing escape rooms as a group, but you can only do an escape room once. Um, There's going to be folks who are going to want to do escape rooms more than once, and they're going to want someone to guide them through those stories. Uh, I think it's coming sooner than you think. God, did we just invent a business? Like, hey guys, you know, take our convention thing on the to a store and run it as a business. Like, come on in. Here's your, you know, here's your choice. I'm, I'm working on some things here, man. Yeah, I'm working on some yeah, things. I think it's a thing. Since we already gave you the long and heartfelt goodbye with Ron Blessing in the last episode, I'll just remind you that. SavageInterludes.com is where you can find his new podcast. Episode 3 is up and 4 is imminent. 
Also, the Deadlands Lost Colony and Wendigo Tales Book 1 uh, Kickstarters have a few days left, both uh, funded very early. But if you want to get on top of those before they're done, do so. Uh, if you want to join us on the Savage Cruise, savagecruise.com, you can play in games being run by Shane Hensley, Clinton Jody Black, Carl Kiesler, Shan Wright, Jebe Gallo, Eric Lamoureux, Todd Evans, Matt Buckley, Tim Early, Christian Boggs, Daryl Hayhurst, James Arell, Corey Dersham, Tony DiGatano, Steve Kellison, Fox, and of course me as well. Uh, again, the Rocky Mountain Savages can be found on Facebook. Uh, Savage Cast and Savage Crews also have pages. Uh, we are on iTunes, Twitter, and Instagram. And uh, do give us an email with show ideas and commentary at uproar at savagecast.com. We have joined the Savage Worlds Media Network, which you can thank for the wonderful little disclaimer at the end of the show. Thanks for listening, and may your dice always explode. This game podcast references the Savage Worlds game system, available from Pinnacle Entertainment Group at www.peginc.com. It is unofficial media content permitted under the Media Network Content Agreement. This content is not managed, approved, or endorsed by Pinnacle Entertainment Group. Certain portions of the materials used are the intellectual property of Pinnacle, and all rights are reserved. Savage Worlds, all related settings and unique characters, locations, logos, and trademarks are copyrights of Pinnacle Entertainment Group.